You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Welcome, everyone. I am Johnny Christ, and this is the Drinks with Johnny podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another week. We got a really special one here for you, as I am joined by my co-host, Sam Hawkins, on this one, as we sit down with Daniel Warren Johnson, the comic book uh, uh, author. Um, Sam sits in on this one because, well, he knows a lot more about comics than I do, so I needed some help with that one. Um, Daniel was a great guest. Uh, we talked about everything from his comic books to his uh, fandom of wrestling that we share, obviously. His favorite movies, religion, everything, everything that you could imagine is uh, that comes up comes up right here on this uh, episode. Make sure you guys head over to drinkswithjohnny.com to find out how you can support this show and Sam um, <laughs> moving forward. And uh, without further ado, I bring you our chat with Daniel Warren Johnson. <laughs> you can at least point it to your hat. Oh yeah, there you go. Ah, drinks with you. That's why they pay you the big bucks, bud. <laughs> oh. Hope they're paying me more than they're paying me. Right. It's all Brandon. All the money goes to Brandon. So we got this uh, this guest, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. I keep I keep getting it confused because sometimes he's DWJ as well. Hello, DWJ. And it's yeah. So it's it's Daniel Warren Johnson. Uh, I don't know a, a lot about him. I, I, you, you did bring me uh, some of his comics and showed me a little bit, and I watched some of his YouTube stuff. And uh, unfortunately, Twitter and uh, Instagram is down right now, so I wasn't able to follow up on that. Anyways, that's a long, long way of saying that's why Sam is here. Our, our resident comic book geek is going to help me out today. Yeah, you call me a lot of things, but that one I will take gladly without a... <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, this guy I've been a fan with, of for a while, and seriously, between comics, metal, and wrestling, I'm like, this guy would be the perfect uh, guest to just kind of mix things up, and uh, I think we all have something we could talk about, and it's just a way to interject myself into the show just that much more, so here I am. <laughs> you finally got some FaceTime yeah. on the show. Yeah, two weeks in a row. <laughs> well, almost. <laughs> almost, almost yeah. two weeks in a row. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's it, it, I'm really glad that you're here. I am excited, though, because the little bit that you did tell me about and the little bit of research that I have done, um, I am excited to talk to him. He seems like a really genuine dude. How old is his son's uh, pretty young, right? Or is it his daughter? I believe it's his daughter. Uh, I want to say she's got to be right around Frankie's age. That'd be a good question to ask. Especially juggling yeah. that if you like, kind of have to be in your zone to write. And you know kids, they don't really respect your privacy these days. And Hell no. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. It's it's actually really tripping me out to look at you in my studio right now. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm looking at the like the background and everything. I'm like... Why is Sam in my studio right now? Well, this is what I was going to do. I think we kind of mentioned it before. It was I was going to sneak in when we had the you, me, and Brandon one. And I was going to lay in your bed, though, and just be real close. And then slowly just kind of reveal until you realized it. And drink out of all your cups and go through your underwear drawer and have fun. You might not like what you find in the underwear uh, drawer. I'd be scared to find. <laughs> <laughs> in yours. I Actually, stuff in this office is probably a little more scary than... <laughs> Yeah, it might be. It might be. Yeah. So tell. So before he hops on here, uh, we we do have him coming on, right? Yeah. We're not just doing this for no reason. Yep. 
All right. Uh, so tell me your backstory. What do you know about, uh, about Daniel? So, uh, fellow podcaster uh a guy chris who i've gotten to know has a a podcast called the sun sunspot comics podcast and uh we kind of gotten friendly and he thoroughly recommended i check out this murder falcon comic and uh it was right Mm -hmm. around the time i started getting back into comic books Uh, i was rebuying all the ones i wanted when i was a kid that you know as an adult you can kind of slowly afford and uh but i hadn't really started reading any and so I was looking for recommendations and I listened to actually uh, Daniel uh, being interviewed by him on his podcast. And I was like, you know, what? maybe this guy seems like a, a good chill dude. And the concept of murder Falcon for those who don't know is absolutely absurd on uh, telling you, but if you check it out, it's, it opens up your eyes. It's uh, basically about a kid who had or a, a, probably in his twenties or so. There we go right there. Murder Falcon right here. I'm getting a little bit of a glare. Let me see if I can get a better. Yeah. And so he basically pulls out a guitar and shreds. And as he's shredding, this murder Falcon buffed superhero comes out and fights evil. And it's a slow journey about him finding other bandmates to build, playing their instruments, which unleashes other creatures to fight. It's completely absurd, but in the best, like... Well, well, you were telling me about it the other day, and what I what I really liked about uh, the art, uh, the art and everything is, uh, he he started with the Murder Falcon, and it's like the guy playing guitar, right? And then he brings in a bass player, and then he brings in a drummer, and they he eventually creates an entire band around this, correct? Correct. And it's there's a lot more to it too. So that's just surface level. I mean, there's a whole cancer story in there. Uh, stuff that's like, I'm not crying, you're crying, like reading it when you really get invested in it. And what really touched my heart more than anything was this was the first comic that I read with my daughter. So this is that comic came out a few years ago. She was younger. Uh, it was the first like monthly because comic books, I, know, I don't know if you know, John, uh, they usually come out <laughs> monthly or weekly, depending. On oh, of course I knew that. Yeah. So uh, so that was one of the first ones I've had, and we've had a few since then. And it's kind of just kept this ongoing thing that's really bonded me and my daughter of, you know, excitement. Uh, there is some bad language in it, so I'd have to change, like, fuck to fart and things like that. And she always thought that was even funnier because she could read at that point. And You know, I love when I love when you have to change the words for stuff. Not even just, like, reading to your kids. Like, I still, to this day, me and Jimmy used to watch uh, 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 The Big Lebowski. And we watched it on, like, regular TV one day. And instead of uh, you see what happens, Larry, when you fuck a stranger in the ass, it's, it, it was you see what happens, Larry. You see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. And we started busting up laughing. I think it was funnier than even saying fuck a stranger in the ass. There's a whole art to that. I listened to a podcast. I think it was um, every little things or, or it was something. And they basically went in to the weeds about that. And you have no idea what an art that is to find things that phonetically fit. I want to be in that studio. Right. I want to be in that in that in that editing studio, like aftermath, and like like try and figure out how to put that together. And like, oh, those guys could just got to be having fun with it at that point, right? Or ladies as well, whatever. I say guys, but I just mean everybody. But like, yeah, it's just it's hilarious because I would want to be in there, and I would try my best to come up with the most ridiculous shit instead of an actual curse word. Well, yeah, and then. Because it's phonetic more than anything when your mouth is going right. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's some good ones. Uh, I just always love watching TV. I mean, they don't really get that as much anymore, right? Because nowadays, kids yeah. just watch. I mean, there's what's edited anymore. Nothing. It's all just straight content. 
That's true because everything's streaming now. But I, I, I do. I will say I have Frankie watching uh, the Jurassic Park series uh, through the TV version because it takes out a little bit of the stuff, and he's only four. Yeah. And I don't want to. I don't want to deal with. Uh, he loves dinosaurs, but I don't want to deal with the uh, uh, the nightmares and everything, the repercussions of that because some of that stuff can be pretty gory. Um, of course, when I was his age, I had already watched Freddy. Yeah. Um, so Predator was mine. That was that was the first rated R one I remember was Predator. How old were you when you when you watched that? Uh, I mean, I don't know if I was four. I was probably around six or so. But that movie just stuck out with me for the rest of my life. It's Late like one of those like traumatic things that actually ingrains in you. But like now, I'm drawn to Predator like crazy just because that's what I knew. Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's that's why you're drawn to it, right? It's awesome. I love it. Uh, <laughs> All right. So tell me. So tell me a little bit more about Murder Falcon before before we have Daniel on. We have Murder Falcon, and then uh, the other thing that he's really really known for is this uh, Better Ray Bill. Well, that's right? his current one. He uh, he just did a run of that. It just concluded. This guy's worked for Marvel. He's worked for DC. He's he's kind of just like uh, the cool thing about him too is he's not only an artist but he's also a writer which, uh, you know, I don't know how common or not common it is, but it seems like it's a little less common. But today with everything just doing it yourself, it it seems like it just fits. And I think that's kind of why he's gone a different path. The other funny thing about the, I heard of, on the Better Ray Bill run he did was, uh, it's ended and this isn't a spoiler alert because uh, it didn't get done, but apparently we can ask him about it. He was planning on ending it with, bill being an intergalactic ping pong champion so because you got to think Inter- about intergal- wait, wait, intergalactic ping pong so like forrest gump gets sent up to uh outer space yep. and fucking just demolishes people exactly so okay. and that's what we're dealing with here we're, we're dealing with a guy who's kind of outside of the norm he can go deep emotional but also have some fun uh you know and laugh at it and just make it a, a fun i mean how many times have we heard the same story over and over again you know so Right, right. So no, I mean, he definitely puts in a different spin on everything from what I, well, what you've shown me. Um, uh, you also uh, taught me a little bit that he's the the Better Ray Bill stuff is on uh, Marvel, mm-hmm. obviously, um, and then you had a little bit of insight on some of this Murder Falcon stuff that was on Image and uh, what what is this? Uh, what's the subsidiary that I'm looking at right, right here? So so. For all, all the people who aren't are just listening that are just kind of like, I don't know much about comics, there's Marvel and DC. Everybody knows them because of the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also a uh, another big player in it called Image. And then back in the 90s, there was a, a group of comic artists that are pretty well known. And they were working for Marvel and not getting paid. And they said, screw this. We're rock stars here. Let's." And that's back in the days when they're selling millions of copies of comic books. Like it was the, the day of comics. Uh, they broke off, created their own we'll call it like a label, its own publishing company, Image, and then they each had subsidiaries, kind of like you have Universal owns everything, and you got Island Def Jam and Interscope, and so they had one home, and uh, Skybound is actually Robert Kirkman, who created um, The Walking Dead, so... That's right, you were telling me about that, I I didn't realize all that, That, that's that's, that's pretty rad, I mean, that's a, I mean, look at that franchise now, because, I mean, when they, when they, 
went off and did that in the 90s? Is that what it, what they had envisioned for like, you know, an A&E TV show with three different offshoots? Well, back like, then, Robert Kirkman, the creator, was on Image. He was basically hired as just like Daniel was coming through. And then it just blew up to what it is. Robert Kirkman kind of, from my understanding, understanding kind of got the band back together, made it, you know, stronger. And now he's one of the, I don't know, owners or guys who runs it. So um, good for him. One cool thing, which is weird that happened today, side story. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Murder Falcon, I heard a story oh. about a real... Before before oh. you tell that story, oh. Sam, we, we, we have uh, Daniel coming in right now. All right. How the fuck are you today, man? Dude, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, sorry I was late. <laughs> <laughs> no, it worked out great. Yeah. It worked out great because we were trying to uh, put some stuff together. I know you understand technical difficulties and you know, I've seen the, the the YouTube channel that you have and uh, you know it, it happens. Everyone knows it happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Every day, <laughs> all day. <laughs> so where, where are you uh, coming to us from? Uh, Chicago, Illinois, north side uh, in a neighborhood called Albany Park. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. It's a great, great place. We just moved into a house in May, so uh, this is my house now. It's crazy. Oh, congratulations! Is is, is this your first uh, purchase of a home? First purchase of a home, yeah. Um, wow, it is wild, but it's very cool. Yeah, so that's really cool. I, I mean, we, we were just talking a little bit about what paid for that house, stuff like uh, Murder Falcon right here. Uh, you know, uh, better Ray bill. Yep. We were talking about all the stuff that's paying for your house over there, but <laughs> let's get back to Chicago real quick. Cause I know you're wearing the AEW hat yeah. and, uh, AEW is doing some really cool shit. And in Chicago, they did the biggest shit that they, they've ever done when they, uh, had CM Punk, Daniel Bryanson come on, uh, 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 uh Michael Cole, uh, uh, Adam Cole. Why, why am I saying things wrong? I don't know. It's early in the morning. Uh, Adam Cole, bay bay. Uh, I heard you were, you were out there though. Did you, did you get to, uh, 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 see any of these events while they were in Chicago? Oh yeah. Um, I saw, uh, everything almost the only show I did not go to was the rampage. Uh, that was the Friday night before all out. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was there when CM Punk debuted. I was in like the nosebleeds. Um, and it was loud and awesome, and uh, got ch- I choked up a little bit. You know, uh, there were grown men around me weeping. It was uh, it was quite <laughs> the experience. <laughs> grown men weeping in the nosebleeds as CM Punk is introduced into AEW. Is that is that the time, or are you talking about when Daniel uh, Bryanson was there? This is when CM Punk or came. Brian Danielson. This okay, is when yeah. CM Punk arrived, and then uh, when Brian Danielson showed up, it was more of just a party. Uh, people were just so excited and. You know, it's funny. I was in the I was in the building, and like when Adam Cole came out, everybody was super happy that Adam Cole was there. But then people were like, "Okay, that's that was the thing, man. They're saving Daniel Bryan maybe for New York at the Arthur Ashe show." And uh, mm-hmm. nope, he just they play his music, and then people lost their minds. Like they lost their minds. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Were you one of those people? I mean, you said everyone was crying around you, but were you crying too? Um, I was. Uh, I was getting emotional when CM Punk came out. That's when CM when CM Punk came out. That's when grown men were crying. When uh, Brian <laughs> when Brian Danielson showed up, it was more of a just party atmosphere. I was losing my mind, but honestly, I got I lost my mind when uh, when Suzuki came out uh, after the Moxley match. Uh, like I was oh, yeah. air punching like around me. <laughs> I was so <laughs> I was so jazzed. Um, let me, let me ask you a question though. Like, so you're obviously into uh, wrestling and uh, we'll get into the music and the comic books here in a second, but 
I want to focus on the wrestling because that's what we're talking about right now. Like, yeah. what 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 was your first love? What 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 is your journey with wrestling? Yeah, so uh, I was really sheltered as a kid. So you know, I was growing up in the '90s during like the golden age of uh, it's, it's Attitude Era, it's like the late '90s, right? Late '90s was Attitude Era yeah. when uh, the after the Monday Night Wars and yeah. WWE, WWF at the time started to pull away is when they started going yep. really hard in the paint with the Attitude Era. Okay, so you know, remember that T-shirt, the John three sixteen T-shirt? Absolutely. I thought that was okay. I'm 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 outing myself here, but like, I uh, I my parents and were very big into like the Christian thing, and um, so I would go to Awana, which is like approved workmen are not ashamed. It's basically like Boy Scouts, but you like learn Bible verses and like run around. You do act- activities, outdoor stuff, indoor stuff, and you like memorize Bible verses in John three sixteen is like a big time Bible verse, in like the Christian community, especially back in the nineties. So I see these kids walking around with John three sixteen church. I'm like, Oh, you go to Awana, you go to Awana, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, Oh, what, what the hell are you talking about, man? I'm like, no, I don't do Awana. I don't, I'm not. Yeah, and they, they, just, they just look back at you and said, stone cold just whooped your ass. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's like, dude, stone cold. It's all Steve Austin, man. I was like, wow. Okay. This, that's like, is that like in the Bible somewhere? And no, no. <laughs> Stunning Steve Austin before that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So every time I see that T-shirt, so I mean, st- sometimes it's people still wear it, but I just always think that like Awana approved workmen are not ashamed. Um, that is for hilarious. God so loved the world. Anyway, so uh, you, oh, so you 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 said the uh, the 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 church thing. I I forget how you referenced it there. Does that mean that you are no longer? Uh, uh, following the church or, or where's your faith lie? It's a good question. You know, it's complicated. Uh, I definitely still identify as a Christian, but that, that like term has so much baggage now. Mm-hmm. And uh, just being aligned with like any sort of church thing uh, has this air of like religiosity. I to love it. It. I'm sorry to laugh, but you just keep calling it a church thing. And I yeah. think it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, well, I've been in, I've been in it since I was a kid and, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still part of a church now and, Oh hey. Is that your daughter? That's my daughter. It's, it's How old is she now? I was going to ask about her because I saw her on your YouTube uh uh channel. Uh how old is she now? Fiona is Fiona, how old are you? Three and a half. Three and a half. That's a fun. That's a fun time. I have a I have a four and a half year old son. Oh, awesome. Uh, next time we go to an AEW event together, we should bring the kids and let them have fun. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Cool. I'll be out in a little bit. Okay. Close the door behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on one sec. Sorry. No, no, it's all good. I love this. I absolutely love this, by the way, Sam. You're still on. These are the my call. favorite. These are my favorite. Yeah. It just shows that this is real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what we're doing. We're looking at people's lives. Just Go like. Go ahead. I think Fiona came in the perfect time to like not let it get too serious because right. we were starting to talk about religion and it, it was like right at the perfect time. Fiona's like, eh, let's not talk about this, Daddy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> ah family <laughs> well i feel like i love it dude. religion like metal just seems to be the alternative escape for kids right so is that kind of how you got into metal too no because like i was listening to all sorts of stuff when i was growing up and it was all christian stuff i wasn't allowed to listen to anything else um mm. you guys remember oh, so you guys were like you guys were like hardcore yeah i mean my parents really chilled out as they got older but like starting out like we're definitely like like a focus on the family family you know Mm-hmm. Um, 
which is terrible, but, uh, you know, it's so like, uh, but like, you remember Jesus Freak by DC Talk? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, that was a classic in my house. That was like, a, <laughs> that was the banger of the Johnson family uh, growing up. <laughs> I remember sneaking as I was get, I got older, I would, I would like, we had a bunch of worship, um, like CDs and stuff like Michael W. Smith and all this stuff. And I would have my friends burn me like corn and slipknot CDs, but then I would label them like, you know, worship, you know? Oh, wow. You had to hide it from your parents. I love it. Yeah. I remember like I got a Nickelback CD once and my dad found out and it was not a good situation. I remember the Nickelback. Nickelback was the one like out of everything. Well, they didn't have that song where they talk about screwing on it and stuff like that. that Yeah. Where it's like, I like your pants around your feet, (laughs) (laughs) which in retrospect, my dad was like, you can either, throw this away and I'll give you your money back or you can listen, you can keep it and be ashamed. <laughs> and like, that and I, was his, wait, wait, wait. He said you could keep it and be ashamed. He was like, you can be, you can keep it. And like, this is like, you could like keep it and like, know that you're living in this like sin of listening to Nickelback. What is that fucking headache that he gave you? Wait a minute. Before I get too, too far on that. You, you're, you've walked away from the church a little bit. Yeah. You're still a believer. Everything. That's fine. Uh, do you have a good relationship with your with your parents now? Oh, yeah. After looking back on all that? Oh, yeah. They've you really like- they've really chilled out. Uh, like, they're still Christians and stuff, but my dad especially, you know, like, he would have trouble with, like, bands like P.O.D., which I was like, Dad, these guys are, like, Christians. Are Christians. Yeah. 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 And my dad would be like, he couldn't get his head around, like, them screaming and also having, like, some sort of positive message. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could get his head wrapped around a positive message. But <laughs> if they were screaming, he really had trouble with it. So it was yeah. something that we, bet, well, we just, butted heads on a lot. I don't mean to yeah. circle back, but what did you do with the Nickelback? Did you, did you keep it in shame or did you get your money back? <laughs> I couldn't live with it, bro. I, I gave it back. And it's like one of the best things my dad ever did for me. Like I got that Nickelback CD out of my house. <laughs> Someone should have definitely taken your uh, your ICP CDs out of your house, Sam. That's yeah, funny when I was a kid. I remember my parents found like my de- uh, Dead Kennedys album, and they started just looking at the artwork and they're like, "What is this shit?" And blah blah. blah and they got all that, <laughs> and so they were like, "You got to get take all the bad ones and get rid of them." And it's just like, "Oh, okay." But they're not listening to all these. So I grabbed a few that I didn't really care about. I'm like, oh, here's all the bad ones. And I'm like, I'm not going to double check to make sure I got rid of all the bad ones. So, yeah. I remember listening a lot to uh, like a lot of pop punk as well. It wasn't like just new metal. Uh, but it's like Blink-182 was definitely a staple too. But Oh, what's going on, everyone? Brando here. Haven't been around for a while because I am busy. You know, I'm working five jobs to feed 10 kids. And when it comes to dinner, I'm just looking for an easy way out. But... There is a great thing that I have found to make my day a little easier. Factor Meals. Right now, I've got a black pepper and sage pork chop. I'm going to eat it right here on air with you because I want you to hear in real time how good this thing really is. So it's got a nice little sauce on it, nice grill marks. Like this thing is ready to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, no. This is some quality quality pork right here. The nice thing is, it's healthy. The amount of protein in this meal is broken down for me on the side of the package. I don't even have to worry about it. I know once I eat this whole thing, my macros are going to be in balance. This is, this is what I need. This is good. Oh my God. It took two minutes for me to microwave this thing. All I had to do was sign up. Meals get shipped right to my house every week. They have a wide selection to choose from. Dude, they had dill-crusted chicken. They had chili. You want to check it out? Head over to factormeals.com slash drinkswithj50. 
and use code DRINKSWITHJ50 to get 50% off. That's code DRINKSWITHJ50 at factormills.com slash DRINKSWITHJ50 to get 50% off. Yeah, I know, it's a mouthful, but so is this meal. So I'm going to keep eating it because, man, this is good. There's still some bands that I still really appreciate from that era that like the tooth and nail kind of vibe. Uh, do you guys know MXPX? Yeah. Oh, I love MXPX. Ladies, yeah. uh, what, what, what's a uh, lady? No, why Why can't I remember it? Sam, help me out. I never heard of MXPX. Chick Magnet. Chick Magnet, thank you. Yeah. So like they were like, they started out obviously very much in the Christian sphere, but then they really kind of grew into their own. And I still love listening to their music. You know, you know what uh, I'm. I'm just thinking about because I, I grew up uh, in a Christian household as well. That now they didn't shame me for listening to music. My dad actually showed me ACDC, Metallica, awesome. Uh, you know all this stuff. Uh, but m- one of my buddies, and you bring up MXPX in the pop punk world. Uh, I just, I'm curious if it made it all the way out to Chicago. You know the band Value Pack? No, I never listened to them. Oh, okay. So they're another uh, punk rock. Uh, pop punk band that uh, was was fully Christian. They had like two really good albums. I'm gonna send you some of that stuff so you could like, you you won't appreciate it now that we're old adults and stuff. But when you're a teenager, you got to try and get yourself back into that world. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't. I've been like, I still really like pop punk a lot. Like, I don't talk about it a lot because nobody likes it as much as me now. But oh no, whoa, 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 whoa! You're in good company. Okay, I love right. pop punk. <laughs> so have you guys listened to the new Newfound Glory record? I've been keeping up with them very casually, like throughout the years, and because they were one of my favorites growing up. And uh, yeah, this new record is great. I've been spending it a ton, um, and yeah, and th- I don't know. That's that's kind of what I'm vibing on right now. But I love the old stuff. I lo- I was listening to Blink One Eighty Two a bunch a few weeks ago, and uh, the ho- have you guys heard of the Hotel Year? It's a little more emo-y. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little not familiar more, with that. They're a little more underground. They're definitely from that world, influenced by that world, and it's just really great. Um, do, you, do you find new artists very often? I, I know I've seen on your Instagram, you've mentioned a few bands. I don't know how new or old they are, but I just find myself, I, I usually gravitate falling back to the old classics, but how, how well do you do finding new stuff versus falling back to the oldies? I'm lucky because I have a lot of friends that are still really plugged into the new stuff. So every once in a while, they'll give me recommendations and I'll It'll really blow my hair back. Uh, but I, I guess a lot of times when I'm working, like in uh, drawing comics or even writing scripts, I will also gravitate towards the old stuff because I already know all the hooks and uh, I don't have to pay attention to it as much. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I'm listening to a new record, like it will just become background noise if I'm working really hard on drawing. Um, so I, I like I love hip hop, but like I lose so much of it because it's just in the background, and I'm just kind of vibing on it. Um, mm-hmm. And I like I like paying attention to my music, so it's it's a double edged sword. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I that that brings me up to that. Like, so when you're right when you're drawing when you're when you're creating uh, y- your art. Uh, you say you're listening to music, and you're going back to the classics, basically. So you mm-hmm. just kind of have it in the background. Um, do you ever find that those are your muse? Are they are they seeping into the into the pen as you're as you're putting it to paper? Or, or um, and and if so, what are those muses? Man, it depends on the project. I'd say with like you mentioned, Murder Falcon. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a lot of bands that really influenced the creation of Murder Falcon. Yeah, there you go. Um, 
And without that music, like Murder Falcon straight up would not exist. And I was listening to a lot of it, like while I was writing it and drawing it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as far as like things like Extremity or Wonder Woman, like music was not as influential. Like it was just kind of there to keep me company rather than like be a part of the creative process as far as like how the book actually turned out. Um, But like, I'm thinking for like Murder Falcon, like Racer X, Vinnie Moore, like, um, gosh, like a lot of like, a lot of like really kind of like 80s power metal stuff, but like with a little bit more technical virtuosity in it. Um, like Inve Malmsteen, Inve, um, yeah, <laughs> classic. I love Inve, and uh, like the phrasing and a lot of uh, the solo work of. Um, oh my gosh! Oh, why am I blanking on this? The guitarist for Megadeth, uh, I is, Marty Freeman. Thank you. Oh my gosh! Sorry, Marty. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, he's not listening to the show. Yeah, I gave him. I, I went to go <laughs> see him live, and I gave him like a stack of Murder Falcons, like to his uh, tour manager. And I was oh like, really? Look, hey, it's just you know, without Marty, this wouldn't be here. So I just wanted to give this to you, give it to Marty. Did you ever get a response? No, never got a response. Uh, what a dick! Whoa, no, it's fine. You know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> the tour manager was like, he really likes comics, so you know, he should really oh. enjoy these. So well, I guess maybe, maybe he. I do love the idea, though. Like we were talking, me, I, I realized uh, it was before you came on. Um, I was talking to Sam here, who introduced me to all of your art and Murder Falcon. I loved the idea of, I don't know, it's kind of like the Dragon Zord thing bringing the superhero out, but it's a guitar shredder. Yeah. And then you and then you bring out like the bass player, the drummer, you get a whole fucking band going. Have you ever like I I I know you play guitar. Um have you ever been in bands? I mean, is it is that is that something you still would pursue or is that something you have a few buddies you play with or anything like that? So my old painting professor uh, has a band called Baby Mountain. They're like really, he's like a really tiny little band that plays locally in Chicago. I played uh, electric guitar for them for a little bit. Um, And then uh, I would like, you know, I play, I used to play like worship a lot, uh, like, like worship music in the background. And um, the thing about worship music is like, it is like this, how do I not be super negative here? It's like oh, you can be as negative as you want. My name's Johnny Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like, all right, I'm gonna get on my soapbox, but I'll, it'll only be for a second. Like, okay, perfect. I love uh, it. Let's go. I so I, you know, I said I said, you know, I do identify as a Christian, and I, but I, it's complicated. You know, it's not just like this wave of cool water on a hot day. You know, it's like what is that Sufjan song? There's no shade in the shadow of the cross. Um, it's like it's. I, I'm, not, I'm not even familiar with what you just said so well he's go going like go, this yes. album you know this album <laughs> sufjan has this album where his mom dies and there's a song which is the song is called uh, no shade in the shadow of the cross and it's like you'd think that there would be you know that's where your mind goes or that's where the imagery right. would take you and it's totally not that and that's kind of how i feel about christianity a little bit like it's not necessarily there to make me feel better um and in the same way there's like a lot of worship music is like putting a blanket over like somebody trying to go to sleep. I, it just makes me crazy. Like, it's not like what makes, that's not art to me. You know, I want to like, right. I want to be challenged. And so when I approach music that way, I'm always kind of bucking what it should be. And so I'm throwing like diminished seventh chords and like the worship songs and the worship leader's like, Oh, what is that? <laughs> and I love yeah. so You just painted like such a, bu- a beautiful picture. I don't know if you realize it, but you painted such a beautiful picture right there of like, 
to me, the, the closed mindedness, like you can't throw in a diminished seven. It's still part of the, of the scale. Like it's still part of it, but you can't. And you've said it uh, earlier on when you were talking about music too, like your parents are like, you have the shame of listening to music and like that kind of closed mindedness is just like, I, again, I grew up in a Christian household too. And that kind of closed mindedness makes me crazy. Cause yeah. I'm like, everyone, everyone could do whatever they want. It's totally cool. Believe what you want. I have, I have my beliefs yeah. and it doesn't matter. Like I don't believe him so hardly that I can't listen to anyone else. Yeah. That's the problem with religion that I have. Any religion is yeah. like they, it, it kind of closes you off to uh, accepting somebody else's way of growing up. Totally. Um, so I guess all that to say, you know, I, I enjoy, I still do enjoy like playing music with my church because it's a gig. I, I remember feeling really bad about it for a while, like, and I like was trying to hide it. And I was talking with a, a buddy at like a music shop, and I was like, you know, I play for my church sometimes. And he's like, it's a gig. And I was like, you know what? You're right, man. Like, I love playing music. <laughs> I love playing music. And you know, as a, I like, you know, I have a full time job and I have a family and all these other commitments, and I don't really have time to like devote to, uh you know, writing or like performing my own music really. Cause I'm already making my own art all the time anyway. So right, uh, it's just a place, a safe place where you can go and play music, have some fun and, you know, make the worship leader mad. And <laughs> you know? yeah, by throwing in your diminished sevens, he gets really upset. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I like, I really like uh, doing like reharmonizations of like popular Christian tunes, like hymns and stuff where it's like, I'm really pushing the envelope where you know it's like it's the same melody line but i'm throwing chords that don't necessarily go over it correctly so turning it more into like a fusion thing or a jazz Ooh. thing or like kind of like a something that's more minor based which actually like puts like a really creepy spin on it and i think there's a place for that in in you know worship but not, well, not everybody I, I agrees think, with I me think, well i think all worship music is very creepy so yeah. uh, if, you, if you can make it even more so then i, I think that's that, that's totally cool right on Beyond that, when did you pick up the guitar? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I say beyond that, uh, uh, Johnny, I, and I'll let you talk, speak more about this, Dan. But uh, you did did a, a companion. You did the band, the, what the tracks would sound like for each Murder Falcon, right? On the oh yeah. Camp. So you yeah. put out your own music of what the band would actually sound like. Yeah, I did. Oh, I didn't know that you did. Oh my God, I got. I'm so sorry. I got to listen to it's this. It's not. Thing. It's not good. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> it's very derivative. Uh, I don't, I, when I started, I did not know how to mix at all, like at all. Um, so the levels are all over the place and it's a nightmare, but uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. And uh, something I still play around with every once in a while. Uh, I do, I do like make music on my own uh, by myself, you know, writing my little MIDI drum tracks and stuff. Uh, but it does not usually see the light of day, but murder Falcon, like the, the, the uh, music to accompany each issue was a way for me to just kind of creatively let go and have some fun with it. So I love that. I, I actually do really want to hear it. And uh, even if it doesn't see the light of day, next time I'm in Chicago, if you could show me some of that shit, right we on. could jam together. It'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> oh, do you play? <laughs> yeah, I play a little bit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I see a bunch of basses and uh, down below here. Yeah, those are those are Sam's actually in my studio around the corner. I'm okay. in my bar okay. where I hang out. <laughs> that's awesome it seems like you yeah. got a really cool setup it's not bad it's it, it, it it's a it's a fun place to be over the last year and a half mm. like i could get away from everything a little bit here so that's awesome. it's been it's been nice <laughs> <laughs> i want to i want to ask you a few more questions though like really about like 
this world of comics that yeah. I'm not really uh, versed in. Sure. Um, uh, I wanted to know, like, when you have like a Marvel, do you get like contracts from them? Is it kind of like a record deal, or and then they kind of give you? Uh, how much input do they give you on these things? Because I know that you you put in like a, a character from uh, uh, you snuck in. <laughs> I don't know if you snuck in, but you snuck in a little bit of a a character from Murder Falcon into uh, uh, which one is it? Uh, uh, Better Ray Bill. Yep. And um, and I think that's really cool. And was that under the radar? I mean, did they tell you you can do that? Did you have to get clearance? Like, what what is the what is the concept of you working with Marvel? Yeah. So. Um... Beta Ray Bill, like, I don't know, working for Marvel or working for DC, it's, um, I'm just a freelancer, so they're just contracting out talent. Um, so it, I do sign a contract, but it's um, it's just as long as the project goes. Um, and with Marvel and, like, like sneaking in stuff like Murder Falcon, you know, they, uh, kind of depends what it is. Like, there were a few things that Marvel, like, was, like, had a big no, no. So I remember I had beta Ray bill wearing like a power trip t-shirt and Marvel legal was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. The band might want money <laughs> for us showing them. I don't know. I, I just threw it in there. Cause it's like super fun. And I love power trip. So, uh, don't, Hey, don't draw any death bats in there. Right. I'll, I'll have to come for the money there. <laughs> I know. And that's the kind of the weird, it's a weird thing. It's like very kind of a corporate vibe. Right. Um, but like an issue too, like you said, uh, I throw in so many Easter eggs, you know, wrestlers, bands, uh, Murder Falcon. Mm-hmm. You know, my editor is like perusing everything. He's like, hey, is there anything I should know about in here? I'm like, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> How did the hook part come into play? Is that a movie that you always liked or? Yeah, I loved Hook as a kid. And I always liked silver characters more than I like gold characters, if that makes sense. So. No, wait, wait, wait. I want you to expand upon that a okay. little bit for me because sure. uh, I, I understand the difference of silver and gold, but I don't understand uh, how that would play into a character. Can you, can you expand upon that a little bit for me? Yeah. So like, okay, Lord of the Rings. Uh, I've always liked Boromir more than Aragorn, uh, if that makes sense. Like Aragorn's kind of like that guy. He's the cool dude. He's the one. He's the king. He ultimately makes the right choice, whereas Boromir is a little effed up. He's, you know, he's been through the ringer. Uh, he makes a real bad decision and he ends up dying, but he's still this great character, but he's like underneath Aragorn. Does that make sense? Right. Okay. So then it, at the same token, think of like Scotty Pippen, right? Like you got somebody above you. You're kind of like this. Look, no offense, Scotty, you're amazing, but like, you're not Jordan, like, and he never right. will be, but that's amazing. That's kind of cool. He's like still so good at what he does but there's somebody above him that everybody knows is above him, but he still makes for like this really cool story. And the same, I think that's, that, I think that's kind of the, the bass players play it in life. Uh, <laughs> <There you go. laughs> and then you got like um, somebody like Rufio, you know, where it's like, it's not Rufio. really about, yeah, it's not about Rufio. It's about Peter Pan, but Rufio is like such a badass, Right. Right. We all want the to whole- talk about him, not, Peter, right? Yeah, totally. But in the in but in the same way, there's kind of this like um, narrative arc to a lot of fiction, and in real life, I guess, where we all kind of know who the star of the show is, and it allows for B characters or silver characters, I call them, to like really shine and have their own personality and not have the weight of the story on them, so they can make, in some ways, like way more interesting narrative choices because of who they are in the story and who they are as characters. 
And I personally feel like Beta Ray Bill also falls into this category where he's always been kind of second best to Thor. And mm. that's kind of what helped start the whole story off in my Beta Ray Bill arc. And that's why I threw in Hook there. Um, so, you know, and it's funny, I guess like Marvel doesn't really, I thought Marvel owned the rights, but I guess they don't really. So as long as like I fudged the dialogue a little bit and nobody looked like anybody from Hook too much. Um, okay. And at the end, I actually put in a scene where in the end of the series, you know, that uh, little little boys like touching uh, Peter's face and he's like, oh, there you are, Peter. Oh, yeah, there you are. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I put that in the end, which is like kind of like beta, also Beta Ray Bill, like realizing just how much worth he really is. Uh, which is, you know, silly, you know, hook reference, whatever. But I drew uh, Robin Williams so well. It actually looked like Robin Williams, which I'm not very good at likenesses, but it was so good that Marvel had to make me fudge it up because it looked too much like Robin Williams. Oh, wow. They, they, they had to come down on you on that? That's that's amazing. They were like, yeah, dude, it was awesome. Because likenesses, A, are crazy hard, but then to make a cartoon, like a black and white drawing, of a likeness without making it look stiff is really difficult. And I totally nailed it. And I, it was so hard to have to mess up my own perfect drawing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still, do you still have the original somewhere yeah, though? It's still on the original. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You got to hang on to something like that. When I watch you uh, draw and uh, you know, on your YouTube channel, everyone could go check out. It's the other DWJ. Uh, uh, so you go check that out. Uh, I'm watching you draw and like, we talked about the cameras and stuff before we started recording here. Um, but you have like these really great shots of you just sitting there like drawing. And of course your, your, your wife and your kids will come in in the background and you're just like, <laughs> keep going. And I'm watching it cause I'm not an artist. I could barely draw a stick figure and I'm just watching and it just seems so, I don't know, second nature to you. Mm-hmm. Is this something that like, uh, when did you realize that you were an artist that can just pick up a pen, pick up a piece of paper and create like, cause that, that I feel like the way that you do it and you could correct me if I'm wrong. Um, just seems second nature kind of part of who you are. It wasn't like something that you had to force out or go get uh, taught. Mm. I mean, I started in first grade where I was really excited by the power Rangers show, like the Americanized one. And I would just draw Power Rangers all day, starting around first grade. And I just drew, then I just started drawing all the time, starting from then on. I don't really remember drawing anything before then. Um, I'm sure I did, but, uh, and then I was just so, I just enjoyed it so much. I was so obsessed with like making things look right um, that I just kept going and going. And then I started getting into Transformers, the Transformers TV show and drawing Optimus Prime a bunch. And so I always did it because I loved it. And then it wasn't until, I don't know, fifth or sixth grade, maybe a little earlier, where I, I was in like a, uh, you know, kid art class. And um, my, the, the art teacher, her name was Rosetta. She pulled my parents aside. She was like, Dan's pretty darn good. I think you should put him in a figure drawing class. And starting in middle school, I was drawing with like high schoolers and adults, like um, figure drawing classes. I did that. What's figure? Well, I'm sorry. What's figure drawing? Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm so like a figure drawing would be, you have a people in a certain circle or what have you with a model, a live model, you know, doing oh, poses okay. or what have you. And you'll do different um, 
drawing techniques with that model. So, you know, maybe just a face study and you'll have different times. So it'll be like, we're going to draw the face for five minutes. We're going to draw the face for like 10 minutes, half hour. Then we're going to do whole figure stuff. We're going to do gestures. So literally the model would like hold a pose for like two minutes and you're just trying to get that vibe. Then they'd switch, draw another pose. Then, you know, a model would like maybe pick a little bit more of a comfortable pose for like maybe a half hour session or a two hour session. And then okay. you're really going for it. You know, you're trying to make it look real good. That's really interesting. Cause I mean, I, you see it in, I see it in the movies cause I'm not an artist obviously. And they like, it just like, looks like the guy's got to stand there or the lady's got to stand there with a fucking apple in her hand for like two hours or something. And I'm like, that sounds like an awful job. Like, I don't, I don't understand that, <laughs> that process, but now that you explain it, like they move around a little bit. That, that's, that, that's pretty, that's very interesting to me. So yeah, there'll okay, be like so. one long pose, a session and it'd be like a three hour session over, over the whole mm. thing. So uh, but I did that all through high school and that really helped. And the way I feel about art and like drawing comics and stuff, for me, the hardest thing to learn is to draw the human figure in a way that is feels natural, like kind of like you said. And I feel like that foundation really came to me when I was growing up uh, in like middle school and high school. And thank you, Rosetta, for, you know, thanks to my parents too. You know, they're like, oh, you think so? And they're like, yeah, all right, hundred percent. And there were times where I didn't want to go because I was the only middle schooler in there and it would be like all adults and i was like oh this is so okay. lame now now i have the question that you're you're the middle schooler with around a bunch of adults and you've got figure figure painting as you as you said and again my references from movies and stuff so how often are they naked and how many dicks did you have to draw <laughs> so this was like a community art center so there wasn't any um nude modeling it was just people in dresses or people in like short skirts or something like that um, I didn't do nude figure drawing until college. Um, okay. I'm sure if I want, if like, if I wanted to, I could have done like nude modeling. Well, we, we, we get, Sam, Sam would definitely <laughs> model for you if you wanted, like it would be no problem. No free of charge. He could just model a lot of right lines and roles that you could, uh, a lot of detail there. I'm not, I'm not smooth. So, <laughs> so have you ever done like, uh, have you ever d done nude, uh, like figure drawing at all? Either of you guys? I mean, no, I have not. I've never even, I, again, my reference is like grumpy old man mm. when like she's doing the sculpture of, of her then husband yep. at the time. Like, I, I, I have no reference. Johnny's really. like a super bad, that kid that just draws dicks all over. That's the long and the short. It is cool. It is it, the long and the short. Yeah. Good, good job there. When doing that in college though, like <laughs> drawing uh, somebody who's in a nude, it's, um, it's really cool. It's like this really safe space. And uh, it's kind of sacred almost. Uh, I really, it was a, it's a cool experience. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, I, I can understand that. Like you, you go on, you know, the backpacking trip or uh, in the gym, like we've, we've all seen each other's shit. It's not that big of a deal, but uh, <laughs> when it's uh when it's like, a, when it's something that's like an art form, I could understand, like, I, I like to poke fun at stuff, but you know, in, in all seriousness, it is, it's an art form. I know that you're not thinking of it like any other way than your piece of art. Correct. Totally. Yeah. Um, it's like a, uh, I mean, if you're doing it right, you're focusing completely on the model and not necessarily too much on your drawing. You're, tr you're trying to train your eyes to draw what you see, not what you think you see. So if I were to tell you to draw a nose, right, you're going to like try and draw what you think a nose looks like. But if I say, you know, draw your own nose from the mirror, you're still going to be like 
channeling what you think a nose looks like rather than your own nose and learning like every line and, uh, you know, curvature. And that's what makes somebody look like themselves. And it's also how you learn um, when you like base your drawings in like reality and learning the basis of reality. So then you can push it to the extremes when, you know, beta ray bill has to punch a demon or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is there anything, I love it. Is there anything like uh, we all know that Rob Liefeld's uh, feet are everyone makes fun of uh, that he doesn't know how to draw feet. Is there anything you've been very self-aware from the stuff I've seen and listened to of ah, this? I didn't like this one. I like this one. I did. Mm. Is there anything that you have the most trouble drawing? Uh, feet is really hard. Um, not so much like a foot with like a shoe on, but like toes. Um like drawing somebody in an action pose, like with like naked toes is there's a reason that all my characters have shoes. Like I don't draw people <laughs> without shoes. Why, on. I, I'm curious as to why that is though. Cause uh, as Sam said, there's another artist that had the same, uh, a similar issue with mm-hmm. that. Like, is it, and I guess my question is, is it just harder when you're drawing for a comic book to do that? Where it's like, you're, you, I mean, the picture has got to be a little smaller, right? Right. When you're putting in a comic book, is that why, is that, part of the reason why it's a little difficult or no, it's just because it's such a, um, it's such a intricate kind of part of the body that is, uh, is hugely responsible for how balance and um, you know, how you walk and how you hold yourself. So, you know, trying to draw that naturally is difficult because like, it's, it's the same thing with hands. People say the same thing about hands, like hands are really hard to draw and I can attest to it, but like, you got to be good at drawing hands when you do comics. And like, I would just, I can't tell you how many sketches of hands I've done like over the, my lifetime. Like I am good at it now, but because most of the time people are wearing shoes or boots or whatever, I just haven't had to be good at drawing toes. So it is hard. And it's also, I haven't spent enough time getting good at it. So well, I, 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 I can, uh, I can do a, a figure model for you and I just hold out my foot if you, if you ever need it, like <laughs> it's there, it, it's, it's, it's not pretty, but you know, it's, it's a foot. Right on. One thing that I love about you, I think you're probably the best in the game is the onomatopoeias. Oh, thank you. Oh, I did love that. Like all that stuff is so cool. Like seeing the, like the Sam's point, the, cho- the chopper, uh, the chopper going, uh, and it's, Built into the art. I'm sorry to steal your thunder oh, no. there, Sam. You can continue. No, I, I, I think it worth, is worth celebrating. I mean, seriously, that's one of the things that me and my daughter, I was talking about right before you came on, uh, and I kind of messaged you about it. Uh, Murder Falcon, while it's not 100% for kids, I would change the words, uh, you know, from curse words to funny words to make her laugh. And she could read, so she knew what it was doing. But that was uh, the first <laughs> comic we really bonded over. And I think it was hugely to do with your style of just incorporating everything real grand and mm. uh, less focus on, on the writing and more the pictures telling the story, which is really cool. And yep. then, uh, and I don't mean to keep talking, but then uh, also Mike's uh, Spicer's I, that made me a huge fan of him on everything since like his coloring on, on your art is just amazing. So, yeah, yeah, he's amazing. I actually, for murder Falcon, I sent him a bunch of screen, shots of like Marvel versus Capcom two. And I was just like, make it look like this. Because <laughs> <laughs> of my house, I have that game in the back. That's the one I got. You really do. Right on. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so uh, one last question and I'll stop uh, 
my my nerdy my nerdy talking here. No, uh, no, no, no. This is what you're here for. This is our comic. This is our resident comic book nerd. Oh, no, oh, awesome. gonna okay. get I'm gonna this. get dark here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, Scuttlebutt turns into a real life form, right? Mm. Well, uh, AI. Oh, you're gonna ask this question, yeah. Sam? Really? Yep. Okay, let's go. So, <laughs> I feel there's a connection that it wants love from Bill, right? Okay. Did it put a flashlight in itself when it created itself? <laughs> you know, we um, we never got that far. Um, Part two. I will- that's like asking. That's like asking. Like, uh, 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 is the is the things uh, dork made of orange rock as well? Like, it's the same fucking question. Yeah. <laughs> we actually did. We were thinking about having uh, like a love scene between the two of them, um, but we felt that it would be it maybe like wouldn't look that great if the only two female characters that really show up in the book are both like just having sexual encounters with bill um so that, that was a note that we got from marvel editorial that i thought was a good one so i listened yeah. to it and well, also uh, you made you made Sif seem like <laughs> like all, all narcissistic about it or all about appearance right so well so that's true at first read but i, I know we i'm very a hard time i heard you you love women. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> we all love women here, okay, guys? Well, the the fact is that it's, well, Beta Ray Bill kind of cuts her off before she can really explain herself. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's actually more Beta Ray Bill interpreting what he thinks the scene is rather than what is actually happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sif probably just wanted to have a conversation, and Bill's like, no, 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 I know what you mean. Yeah. I know what you mean. I'm out of here. <laughs> Insecurity, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On that note, though, who? Okay, let's 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 uh, let's do uh, fantasy booking here. Okay, because uh, as, as a wrestling fan, you understand that term. Oh, and uh, before we do that, I have to tell you yeah. how I actually got into wrestling because we never yeah. got to that. Oh, we didn't. We went around the block. Yeah, didn't we went we? around the block. So John three sixteen, approved workmen are not ashamed. Leading into Daniel has a kid in twenty eighteen. Uh, uh, Fiona was born, and mm-hmm. uh, you know I. Was, just home a lot, taking care of the kid. And I had always seen new Japan wrestlers that was big with my, uh, my friends, my comic book friends, and they were drawing them a few times. And I was like, what's that? Who's that guy? And everyone was like, damn, you never heard of new Japan pro wrestling. And I was like, what's that? And I never was really into WWE growing up. Like as like, I became an adult, but I was like, new Japan looks pretty cool. I checked it out. Mm-hmm. I fell in love with it. That was the G1 in 2018. And it was the uh, the match that really got me into the deep end was uh, Kota Ibushi and Tomohiro Ishii. Uh, that 2018 G1 match they had. It was, I, think it was I gotta the, check that out. It was the last I time. Check I think I'm pretty sure it was the very last time Ibushi did a moonsault like off a balcony. Like I don't think he's done it since. Um, Whoa. And I saw that, and I was like, "Whoa, this is crazy!" Uh, Daniel, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to go back and watch this stuff because, I mean, uh, our other, I should have, we should have had our other guy on the show that's a uh, our, our resident wrestling uh, geek. Okay. So we have a comic book guy, Sam Brandon's our wrestling guy. I kind of fall in between mm-hmm. everything there, um, but I, I do love the New Japan stuff that I do see. But like when you, when you talk about it passionately like that, like <laughs> wrestle, that's that's what wrestling is to you. I'm like, all right, I got to really check this shit out. Like, I, I got to get a little bit deeper into that's it. That's when you it's got special. into it, right, John? In 2018, that's about when you started falling back into this. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, about 2018, when I got off the road, is right when I started watching wrestling again. Uh, when uh, my buddy Chris went over to AEW, nice. um, that's kind of when I started watching it again. And then, you know, I was watching WWE, AEW, watching it go back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, Daniel, you could probably attest to this, man. It is such a cool time to be a wrestling fan right now. It is wild. To have all these different factions going on and uh, the way AEW is. Uh, what do they call it? The the forbidden door. They've <laughs> they've opened it all up. You know, it's it's really fucking cool. It is amazing. It's so exciting. I I I I've been doing a lot more research going back into history and doing more research. I'm actually working on a wrestling comic now for Image Comics. Um, oh right, what, what's this one called? Uh, it, it doesn't have a name yet. Uh, I'm I'm okay. still working on it. it. Hasn't been announced. It does have a name, but the announcement won't be for until maybe December. Okay, so I'll call. I'll call you up later, and you can you can tell me then. Oh, I'll tell you off the air, whatever. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, but so I've been doing my research and just kind of like looking at the history and like, dude, you're totally right. It like things have not been this interconnected ever. I mean, ever. It's, Maybe you'd have to go back to like the the regional times when yeah. you're, you know like that. That's probably in the what late seventies. Like, I mean, it hasn't been that way for so long. And Tony Khan knows. Tony Khan is just a wrestling fan, yep. right? Like he's just, he's just a fan and he's ingratiated himself in it his entire life. He's like, he's one of those guys that got the, got the sheets in the mail and everything like that. Like he's hardcore. Yeah. So when he turns around, he just wants to see what he would want to see. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, it's so cool. And then he puts himself with, with guys like Cody and Kenny and, and Brand and Brandy who have been in the industry the whole time to give that back that, that perspective. And it's just so, it's so cool what, what they're doing. Over it's awesome. There. I don't know. I could, I could, we could do a whole other episode. Just me like geeking out about that. Who are some of your favorites in AEW right now? And I like it all. Um, that's I, what getting into new Japan in 2018 led me to follow everybody from new Japan over to AEW. So basically mm-hmm. everybody that left new Japan for AEW, I'm a huge fan of. So Kenny, um, I think Malachi Black is awesome. Uh, Dude, Malachi is the shit. He is so. I mean, his presentation is like so cool. I love. He's such that a they good dude too. I'll, I'll introduce you sometime. He's a good buddy now. Oh, he's that's been on the awesome. show. And he's yeah. I'll introduce you sometime. I'm sorry. Like we can no, cut this out later. But like like literally, Tommy is like one of the coolest dudes ever too. We got really I lucky just like him right before the whole switchover. It, it mm, yeah, perfect. I, so I, I'm not super knowledgeable about the WWE world just because I've there's already so much good stuff out there. Uh, but when he came over to that's AEW... That's a nice way of saying that WWE has been sucking for the last couple of years. That's that's nice of you. <laughs> I guess a long story short, like I, I had not seen Tommy End until he showed up and kicked Cody in the face. Right. And when he... Like, I was like, wow, this is kind of cool. I like this guy's vibe, you know. But when he came out for his first match with Cody and they gave him all that space with that intro uh, and also his opening music, I think is so badass. <laughs> um, I can't remember the band's name, but it's a great track. I don't recall it right now, but yeah, he and he owns the rights to it, too. Yeah. Like he it's, it's one of his buddies. Ba- like he knows the guys in the band and, ha- and asked them to do the song and they're good friends and stuff. It's, it's really cool. And to your point, the production of what he does it's like a new take on like a dark character where the lights go out. We've seen this before. The mm. lights go out. But I don't, re- I, you, maybe you could correct me or maybe Sam could correct me. I don't remember ever 
like an Undertaker or some kind of character like that, that would just show up in the ring after everything went black. Mm. And I think that's a really cool, that's a really cool spin on the lights go out kind of character. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, as far as like others, so Kenny, of course, um, I think Kenny's a great promo and he's a great wrestler and he's, he's responsible for me. Really. It was, it was Koda, Abushi and Kenny and Tomohiro Ishii that, really got me into wrestling. So I think I'm going to be a fan forever of, uh, of Kenny and gosh, I mean, I don't know. I like everybody. Like I love Miro. Um, you know, I was watching AEW from the very beginning. So I like saw the dark order trying to get over like really hard and it not really happening. Like until the pandemic happened. Um, I love the dark. I'm glad that you point that out because it was, you're absolutely right. Like I never expected them to get over yep. And then when they started being positive Dark Order, that's when they like, like all of a sudden it was like, okay, this is hilarious and awesome. Like, so, let's go. Yeah. And like, I remember I was there all out 2019 when the Dark Order had their match and like, it was dead. Like nobody cared. Nobody yeah. cared. And these guys are working their ass off. They're great wrestlers yeah. too. I mean, and then uh, obviously rest in peace, Brody Lee. But like, that was, I mean, his, his presence was, was ginormous you know that guy was going to end up with the with the world title at some point too he wasn't just going to be the tnt title i think you're right and i was up i was like watching like right before the new year i watched that tribute episode uh that was heartbreaking crying my eyes out and the worst thing that can possibly happen to a wrestler happens and there's like no good there's like nothing good about it but like they made that episode and they did just this amazing beautiful tribute i mean it's like, that's kind of what, I don't want to be too, you know, artsy fartsy, but like, I feel like that's art's greatest gift to us as humans is just processing the terrible things that happen. And I think AEW did that so well. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. And that yeah. is part of being, I mean, I'm not the same artist that you are, but it's part of being an artist in general or someone who creates anything is, is that what you just said, the ability to take in what, is happening around you and put it into his perspective yeah. and, and, and filter it back out to everybody. Exactly. And I think that, I think that's a really valid and brilliant point. Um, real quick though. I did, I did want to ask about this Deadpool stuff. So oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you're laughing already. So I got, I got it here and uh, I absolutely loved your interpretation of, as we all know, uh, Deadpool, uh, most of us from the movies and stuff, you have Ryan Reynolds and he's kind of narrating the whole thing, which is actually very true to the comic, correct? Yep. So you have a narration with Deadpool um, about how you're going to draw him. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that was like, that was such like a outside the box way of thinking. Uh, can you walk me through what, what was, when you realize you're like, okay, <laughs> this is how I'm going to do Deadpool. Like what, what, what was that moment? So uh, I got into Deadpool as when I was really young, um, actually. So this circles back to my dad. So we were in uh, borders, which is like a bookstore near my house. And I was, I had enough money to get this Deadpool comic that was Joe, uh, Joe Kelly and Ed McGinnis did. And um, my dad, I had the same conversation with my dad in the bookstore that I had about like the um, Nickelback CD. I was like, I really want this. And my dad's like, you know, I really, this pool of death, Dan, are you serious? 
And I was like, dad, this is really cool. And he's like, well, you can get it with your own money, but you know, I'm going to be disappointed in you if you get this, you know? And I was like, all right, that's fine. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm okay with disappointment. (laughs) Yeah. So I was like, Nickelback, you can have, I'm keeping Deadpool. Uh, Yeah. I love it. And, uh, but so that was kind of, so I was trying to figure out, like, I'm, I'm trying to work on this story and poor Marvel. The editorial was like, hey, what's the story? Uh, are you almost done with it? And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm working on it because I kept getting writer's block because ever since that Deadpool story with Joe Kelly and McGinnis came out and the popularity just like shot through the roof and in the movies, and mm-hmm. he's, he's just kind of been, in my opinion, run into the ground. Like there's only so much you can do with a character before you're finally like, oh, God, enough, you know, please. Um so and I was that's exactly how I felt about the character. I was like, I had seen so much of it. I'm like, I'm done. You know, I need something different. So when I it, love that you cover that in it too. Like everyone should go check this out. I got it right here. And uh, what Daniel's talking about is all right here. Yeah. In this. Like it's it's that it's Hulk, amazing. By the way, is amazing too. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Griffin. Hulk ripping is. I mean, again, to your point, like when you're like, well, there's only so much you can do. Like, yeah, the guy can't die, so you just rip his head off. You do whatever to him, and the guy can't fucking die. Right. So like, what do you what what do you do here? Where, where's the arc? And then even then, the fourth wall has been broken so many times with Deadpool that I was like, how do I even like break the how do I even do that in a new way and it wasn't until like I started like getting personal with it where I was like you know where I had to like kind of go into my own experiences with Deadpool and like how it like made me want to make comics that I kind of found the click the the little thing that made it all work um and uh yeah but so like the 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 title is from my dad the title of the book is because my dad was like pool of death Dan (laughs) I love that. That's that's for anyone listening who hasn't checked you out. Uh, I was I was talking earlier before you came on. I think that's what you do best, though, is not only just have outlandish stuff like a dance, intergalactic dance thing, <laughs> but you also have the what, human, amazing. By the way, yeah, right. The human, uh, the compassion part. You you definitely at the end it hits your heart at the end. I mean, similar to Murder, Murder Falcon has that. You know, it's it. Uh, Bill's got that in his with just, you know, some personal insecurities and things like that. I think you do a really good job of that. And I don't mean to sidetrack, but I also heard that you were going to make uh, Better Ray Bill a intergalactic ping pong champion, possibly, <laughs> which I love that your mind just goes all over the place. Of not, You think we're going to go this way? We'll go this way. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I love drawing a great epic battles and, sci-fi fight scenes and big swords um but i was like beta ray bill is such a weird character to begin with what if i just took the story into a really weird place uh and what ended up happening like i kept trying to make the whole ending the whole end fight of my beta ray bill series was going to be a a ping pong final with uh beta ray bill versus thor (laughs) and uh (laughs) like i was trying so hard to make it work and like my in my story like loki is like really pissed as well with Thor. Cause you know, it's his big brother, you know, screw him, mm. but you know, he sucks at ping pong. Mm. So if you get good at ping pong, then maybe you can embarrass him in ping pong, even though you can't defeat him in battle. And like, I, I was like going crazy trying to like banging my head against the wall, trying to make this work. And Dan, do you do hallucinogens? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just make sure. <laughs> just curious. <laughs> Well, I think Thor would be better at beer pong than than ping pong, right? Sure. Oh yeah, yeah, especially like yeah, yeah. After he gets his gut in uh, in those Avenger movies, yeah. that was that was hilarious. By the way, that actually brings me up. Uh, we went back to wrestling, but 
as we're talking about uh, Better Ray Bill, Dan, if they make this into a movie one day, who would you cast as Better Ray Bill? Oh, wow. Jeez. Uh, like as the voice actor, you think? Well, I mean, technology has come a long way. You could kind of like you could you could still do that character and like a you know put a bunch of those uh, crazy balls on on their body and mm-hmm. face, and it would be like I mean, like Thanos is still uh, what's his name? I, I'm drawing the blank, but uh, uh, yep. Uh, so you you could still have an actor play that part. Uh, I kind of like I don't know James Brolin. Sorry, there we go. Well, like I don't know because it's like, do they have to be super muscular? Do they have to be super muscular? Oh no, it's more of a not necessarily because you could do you could you could you could art that up a little bit. You just need their face, really. I think maybe Ethan Hawke. Ooh, I but I'm mostly just saying that because Ethan Hawke's one of my favorite actors. (laughs) But isn't he coming? He's going to be. Wait, wait. He's one of your favorite actors. Who's your all-time favorite actor? Um, all-time favorite actor. Okay, hold on. Well, what are your top three? What yeah. are your top three? Uh, top th- that, that's a hard question, right? Because people ask me the same, or people ask the same question, like, who's your favorite band of all time? It's like, I don't, that's a really hard I know question. that one. I know that one. Oh, what? Who's that? Uh, that's me without you. Uh, okay. Have you ever I'm heard of familiar. them? No, I'm not familiar. It's all, it's one word. And they were in that tooth and nail days that I'm talking about. Oh, okay. And they were also like kind of in that Christian world, but then they really kind of evolved out and. Yeah, I wouldn't be the person I am today without me, without you. Thank you so much, guys. Um, but into top three actors, probably Jake Gyllenhaal. Is that a weird one? It's it's a no. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah what was the, what was the really uh, Donnie Darko was oh, a, yeah. he did a great one in that one. Yeah, I really liked him in that cop movie, the like oh, the yeah. shaky cam. <laughs> oh, what was that one called? I loved that movie. End of Watch. So, yeah, super creepy. Yeah, that great, yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Great, super creepy. I love that yeah, movie. Great movie. Um, also, uh, I don't know. I just like, I like Jake Gyllenhaal a lot. I just watched him in this Netflix one where he's like, good? he's, he's on a phone call. Uh, he's a operator, like a 911 operator. You know, it was okay. It's a super downer. And, uh, <laughs> so you gotta be in the right headspace, but, uh, it was good. I'm yeah. never in the right headspace for that. My yeah. wife is always like, Oh, let's watch this drama. Let's watch the thriller. Let's watch and I'm like, can I just watch a comedy? It's like the end of the day. And I would just want to go to bed happy. <laughs> Not even likes uh, like lo- uh, uh, rom coms. That's his. Mm. I do. I'm a big rom com guy. I really am. I've I've uh, when I'm on a plane traveling, I get a glass of red wine and and some cheese from the from the stewardess, and I'll watch movies like P.S. I Love You, and I'll cry. Okay. Well, what's your number one rom com then? Ooh, mm. nice. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're subscribed and leave us a five-star review. If you want to listen to this show ad-free, head over to drinkswithjohnny.com and become a premium member. You'll get to enjoy unreleased clips from your favorite guests, discounts on merchandise in our shop, and access to our private Discord server where you can chat one-on-one with Johnny Christ himself. Awesome! So stay tuned, stay thirsty, and stay filthy as fuck. Uh, what's it? What's the name of it? It's it's so it's really more comedy than rom com. It's uh, it's got Amy Poehler and Paul Rudd in it. It was uh, they came together. They oh, came really? together. That's a deep pull. It's I've a, never it's seen an that one. Movie. 
you got to watch it. it but okay. it's, it's one of those. It's it's not really romantic. It's more comedy. But like it's 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 a play. It's a parody of a rom com. But I still consider it a rom com. Mine's the wedding singer. Ooh, good one. Ooh, that's a great pull. Yeah, I like that. What about you, Sam? You know what? Now that we're doing that, uh, I'm trying to think. I would I would probably say Fifty First Dates, just because my wife and I and I'm piggybacking off you pulling Adam Sandler, but it triggered we. You guys always go Adam Sandler is just every Adam Sandler movie is is the best rom com. Is that what we're getting? No, Fifty First Dates specifically. It tells such a great love story. It does. It checks all those boxes. And my wife and I used to watch it when uh, we were in college. I I mean I didn't finish, but she did. Uh, we put it on at night, yeah. just like we do Friends. Now we would just put it on, go to sleep to it. That was the go-to. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. What's what I about, mean, what? so then number one movie? Then I'm gonna do it to you now. Oh, who who are you asking first? Sam, oh. you want to go first? Oh, I know for sure. I mean, Nicolas Cage is you know the top. But <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait! Before you tell that, Brian. before you tell that, I want to ask. We got to ask the question you were telling me about. Is that like? Uh, uh, Nicholas Cage used to would go oh. goes in every year to a Marvel board and pitches these ideas. So I guess my question to Dan is, have you heard about this? Um, and if so, would you ever create whatever Nicholas Cage wanted as a comic so, book? Backstory. I heard that. I don't know if it's true or not, but I had a, a friend who worked at Marvel for a while. And he said that every year they had a pitch meeting, that open forum where you could just come in and pitch. And every year Nicholas Cage would come. I don't know if this is true or not. And he would give a pitch of something, and it was everyone's favorite to just come watch Nicolas Cage pitch craziness. But I, but but Johnny had a great point of like, why wouldn't you make something? We would all buy it. I would do it if I if I if I would if I had that talent. I don't care what he was pitching. I would make that comic. Although he did make this one that uh, voodoo brother voodoo, or not brother voodoo, uh, something else that did not fly that well. I have not heard that story um, and I would not uh, at the drop of the hat do anything. It would have to be the right project uh, because look, I love celebrities, but like celebrities in comics, it's dicey. (laughs) Well, you're you're more of a writer artist. You've, you've done a good job of just kind of making your own niche where you can kind of do the projects you want. Do you think it's going to be that way from here on? Or if the right thing came, I know Mr. Cates and you have a good run is, Mm. would you ever do something again? Or you got your niche now? I mean, I have my niche and I'm kind of in control of my own destiny, which I really like. Um, You know, I'll never say never. As long as I can keep writing and drawing my own stuff, I will. Whereas, like, you know, I can still, like, make money. <laughs> if it gets to the point where I need a writer, I'll use a writer. Um, but until that point comes, I'm, I'm flying solo. Nice. You're doing a good job. I All right. Yeah, and you're doing a fantastic job. Let's get back Thank to the you. movies. Though, I, cut, <laughs> ah, I cut Sam off. Sorry. Your uh, number one all-time movie. Go Get back to it. Uh, Princess Bride, 100%. Ooh, wow. great movie. Wow. Of all time. Well, okay. I mean, it's a great movie. It's a little inconceivable that you would pick <laughs> it as your... Uh, Daniel, you want to go or you want me to go? I'll go. Uh, it's Children of Men. Really? Oh, yeah. That's intense. I don't even know if I've seen that movie. It is intense. Oh, dude, you got to see it tonight. It's so good. Tonight. So Children of Men. Who's in this? I, I, Clive I, Owen. Me in. Um, oh, okay. I like Clive Owen. Red hair, uh, Julian Moore. Um, Why have I not seen this movie? Is, is, is that the one where he, like, takes, he has to get a kid? There's aren't kids or something. He has to get yep. transported. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So there hasn't been a child born in 18 years. And Clive Owen works at a newspaper, I believe. 
Um, I don't know the other actors' names. There's another British guy with well, an older British actor who's in it. The whole movie is absolutely incredible. It it requires 100% of your attention, and okay. um, the editing, the screen, like the the writing, the there's not a single line of dialogue that can go by. You have to like be in the whole movie. Nothing is wasted. Like it's the the fat has been friggin' trimmed. Um, and it's just such a great movie. I love hearing that from I love hearing that perspective from you, from someone that I know has probably trimmed a lot of fat over the time of of creating art like that. And like you're to Sam's point and everything, you're actually writing the dialogue too in these comic books. Like it's not you're not just an illustrator. <laughs> like, and I don't mean to to downplay an illustrator I got either you. when I say just an illustrator, but like you're you're doing it all. You're you're creating an arc. You're creating a story. Mm-hmm. Um, and as where did your fandom come from creating a story, I guess? Like not just writing or anything like that. Like to me, when I think of people who like yourself or people creating a movie, they have to create this arc, right? And they, they, they can't just come up with a half brain idea. They come up with a half brain idea and then they create an entire story around it. Mm-hmm. So when did you realize that, that this was a talent that you had? Oh, man. Um I don't know if I had a moment of of awakening to that fact. I still feel like my writing is not that great. Um, if I'm totally honest, there's a lot of people that would. There's a lot of people that disagree with you, though. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad. Um, <laughs> you know, I have like, I do love. Well, I love stories and I love movies. I love books. Love comics. Love anything narrative that's well done. Um, and I'm. I don't really feel like I have any big thing to say, but I do feel like stories have the power to, uh, I don't know, help people wrestle with stuff that they're going through. And uh, I also like having fun and I like playing (laughs) and comics allow me to do that without any budget. Um, And, uh, you know, I'm trying to maintain my sense of play, I guess. Like I want to like feel like a kid, playing with toys or whatever and uh and do it in a way that hopefully look when i leave a whenever i leave a movie that i feel is like absolutely amazing i'm just really thankful that i was alive to experience it and so i'm trying to do the same for people who read my comics which is a lofty goal uh that is beautiful that's That's the goal that's the goal at the end of the day so i don't know (laughs) No, I, I, the, the way you just put it is absolutely beautiful to me. Like the fact that it's like, I'm, I'm happy that I was here while that art was made. That's, that's, that's such a cool, that's a cool perspective. Yeah. Like I, I, I really appreciate that. Think about how many and people have died before Groundhog Day came out. It's fucking tragic. Wow, man. Exactly. They didn't even get to relive that over and over and over. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, to that point though, real, I'll tell my favorite movie in a second, but I did like that. The fact that you, you're talking about like the narrative and everything we're, we we're tying a lot of wrestling into this. Uh, so I have to ask the question, are you more of an in-ring kind of guy or are you more of a narrative kind of guy? Mm, great question. When I started watching wrestling, the only real experience I'd had with wrestling was New Japan. So then when AEW started and you're getting more of an American kind of uh, version, yeah. yeah, there's way more stuff happening like outside of the ring, way more promos. I was like, whoa, whoa, what is this? Like, I'm not used to this at all. 
And then I realized, oh, this is like what Western, you know, pro wrestling is. And I had always kind of assumed that with WWE, which I never thought was that great. Uh, but then I didn't realize like how much of an art form that also is. I'm uh, doing that like narrative stuff in wrestling and how, how important it is to do well, which I hadn't really seen done well, honestly. Like when I turned on the television and tried to get into a WD- WWE. Well, you, you, I, I will say though, you came in at like 2018. Yeah. So like you have to go back to like the attitude era, like all those kinds of things that totally. really built up characters. And there was a, <laughs> there was a real battle and WCW did a great job of bringing in the NWO, yep. which actually was, somewhat influenced by new japan stuff I mm-hmm. mean, eric has talked about that before and uh yeah it's somewhat influenced but it, it was his own idea i don't mean sorry eric i'm not saying you bit it don't worry but uh you know like it's 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 loosely based around some of this stuff and then but that was a cool character development you had you had hulk hogan yellow and red american fucking baby face for 20 years at that point and then He's just going to turn heel. And it was so fucking cool. Yeah. that Those are cool stories. That, that's what I mean by the narrative. And yep. I, I, I think you were getting to that too. I like, so long story short, I love both now, especially as I know how well it can be done, like watching AEW and also, you know, doing my research of stuff in the past, realizing how well it was done in the past as well um, in different American promotions. And you know, I love, I love crazy ring stuff, but like, I also love the story too. It's just, it's, I love the speculation and the best part is not like truly not knowing who's going to walk out of the ring with whatever belt or that's something special that I feel like pro wrestling has all to itself that no other narrative mm-hmm. art has going for it. Um, there's an element of sportsness where you really don't know. Uh, and that's exciting. Yeah. And what's what's great to me, and I'll piggyback off of your sentiment right there, is that as fans, we get to speculate afterward and say what we would have done. Oh, no, you can't give the belt to that, to so-and-so. Like, how did he do that after three seconds? Like, like we know, like, better than the guys that are in the, in the dressing room doing all that stuff. <laughs> so much, it's so much fun. It's, it's, fan, it's fantasy football before fantasy football even existed. It was totally it's, that. It's super fun. And I love the element of real-world stakes like injuries and real life and like logistics and stuff that come with like following a baseball team or football or what have you but then you have the narrative fiction element of it which is just makes it really special too but it's like it's like a marrying of those two worlds which i just think is so cool so much fun so much fun the last question on the wrestling then i'll tell my my favorite movie and then we'll 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 let you go so i know you got uh, fiona back there waiting for you uh (laughs) Uh, last question on wrestling is, uh, are you, do you gravitate towards the heels or the baby faces? I think I gravitate towards the baby faces and the heels that are really good at their jobs. Like the, like the real heels, like the ones that just like you love to hate. Yes. Uh, I did a illustration. This is in February, 2020. AEW had commissioned uh, DC to do like some promotional art like poster promotional art for the convention at mm-hmm. C2E2 that year. And so they asked me to do MJF and I was so happy to do it. I love MJF. Oh, dude. He's, he's, uh, he's, he's brilliant. It's great. But so my poster is like all over C2E2 2020. Um, and I saw him in the bar on like Saturday night, Sunday night, I don't know, Friday night. 
And I went up to him and I was like, oh, MGF, I did your poster. And I know he had seen it because he had signed all of them. You know, you see him with right. his signature. And he looks at me and he just walks the F away. <laughs> he just walks away. Did he away. kiss the ring a little bit? And then nope. the, the music come on? He was making himself bad. coffee, like at the little coffee station. And I'm like, MGF, <laughs> like I did that poster to you. How's it going? And he like just walks away. <laughs> did he have the Bradbury, uh, the Bradbury uh, uh, yeah, scarf? He did. Yeah, the whole kid. Yes. Yeah, the whole kid. Yes. Total kayfabe. <laughs> uh, just kept it up, and uh, I, I like to think that I like knowing that I got kayfabe by MJF. Oh, that's like a great that's hits a- in person. That's awesome. Oh, he sticks yeah, with I it. Like it. he keeps it up. And so I've does Wardlow. That. I saw Wardlow in the elevator that that night too, and I was like, "Dude, Wardlow, how's it going?" He's like, "Thanks, man." Just like scrolling on his phone. <laughs> How big is he in person? He's I, huge. I he's he's huge. a big dude. He's, he, like, he's like not super, super tall, um, but he is. But just like the wide. massiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Wide. It's just got to be like the massiveness. Crazy. Right? Yeah. It's so funny. Like we, we all get that perspective of looking on a, on a TV screen or being out in the crowd. You don't really understand like the size mm-hmm. of these people. I mean, people even get still call me small and like, like surprised when they meet me. I'm like, I'm still the same size. It doesn't <laughs> I've lived this my whole life. Um, anyways, I digress. Uh, my favorite movie of all time is Tombstone, and I dare either one of you to debate it. I mean, it's Good all right, movie, man. I, I can see how that's a favorite. I and I obviously know your connection to. I mean, Val Kilmer kills it in that movie. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, Tomb, Tombstone. Hold on. This is a western, right? Yeah. Movie. Kurt Russell. Oh my God. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Your, I got to teach Daniel something. <laughs> hey, while he's grabbing that, can all I right. make a recommendation for your uh, Inktober? You're doing all the wrestling, right? Yep. Uh, I want to see your play on Darby Allen, man. I just feel oh, like dude. your metal roots with the skull, like, and he's a friend of the show. We, we love Darby. I would awesome. love to see your take on it if, if you don't have your roster filled up yet. He is on the list. Nice. He's on the list. It's happening. Um, Did he I, make the list? Does anyone else get this reference from Chris Jericho? <laughs> no. You don't get it, Sam? Come on. I, I know you got in 2018, Dan, so I'm not going to hold you against it. But like, <laughs> come on. You just made the list. All right. Here you go, bud. Oh. Movie. Okay. Yeah, I have boy. not seen that movie. Sorry. So this is actually signed by Bell Kilmer. Oh, you awesome. You see that movie. All right, dude, Blood Pact. You got to watch, you got to watch Children of Men. I'll watch Tombstone. If you don't want to watch the movie, you can just hang out next to me and I can quote the entire movie to you. (laughs) I've literally done it. (laughs) My wife will not watch that movie with me anymore because I cannot help myself, but like, I, I say the, the lines before they're said while I'm watching the movie. I love it. <laughs> not that annoying much. at all to watch with people. That's awesome. No, it's not annoying at all. So good. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute blast hanging out with you, Daniel. Um, in the email, I'll send you uh, everything we got, and I'll send you my, uh, my, 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 my cell phone number. Not right here, obviously. And, uh, you know, uh, maybe we could keep in touch. And next time I'm in Chicago, we could, we could hang out. And yeah, have, man, that'd have, be have awesome. Fun. That'd be Are really you cool. coming to uh, Anaheim for uh, LA Comic Con or anything coming up? What do you uh, have to promote? To... Do you have anything to promote that we can help you out with? Uh, I'm going to be at New York Comic Con. I have a booth in Artist Alley. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really have anything to promote until 
like my wrestling book announcement. Oh. So, Ooh, yeah, which won't wrestling be book announcement. Won't, it won't be for a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll cut that part out so you, you don't get in trouble. But maybe you come back on for like a live thing and tell us. Uh, oh no, us you don't. You don't have to cut that part out. Everybody knows I'm doing a wrestling book. It's like, I just, uh, I just don't want to say the name yet because that needs. I need to hold something back for the <laughs> official announcement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But totally. everybody knows I'm doing a wrestling book. That is no secret. <laughs> Well, can you can you can you leak it to everybody else that you're actually going to draw me as a, as as a really badass wrestler that's going to kick everyone's ass? Like, can you just announce that? I'll put you in the crowd. Okay, cool. I'll put Perfect. you in the crowd. Maybe you will get smushed by a wrestler by accident. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> knock your drink out of your hand. <laughs> I, I have a. Oh no no no! Don't knock drinks out of my hand. I have a scene. I have a scene in issue one where a character does a moonsault like into the crowd, like the wrestler is in the crowd, and they, he crushes everybody in the crowd, like water and soda going everywhere. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> can't, wait. can't wait. I can't wait to see this shit. Uh, thank you so much, Daniel, for being here. Yeah, and, thanks for uh, having uh, me. Thank you for the time. Uh, say hello to Fiona for me. Hello. And uh, again, just just thanks. It was a great conversation. I'm so glad to have get, got to know you a little bit and hope we can continue this uh, friendship down the line. Thanks so much. Watch Children of Men and I'll watch Tombstone. Sure. You watch Tombstone. We'll text each other about it later. Okay. <laughs> And that'll just about do it for this week's episode of Drinks with Johnny. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to Daniel for being on the show. And thanks to Sam for co-hosting this one. That was a lot of fun having him sit in with me on this. Uh, and I hope we can do that again sometime soon. Make sure you guys are sharing and following us everywhere, as you probably already know. But what you don't know is that you can head over to drinkswithgiant.com where we got a bunch of new merch that you can show your support and rep the uh, essence of this show. I'm really excited about what our designer, Brandon, was able to do and put out some really cool new items for you there. I can't wait to get my hands on a few of them as well. So you can go over there and see that. We got coffee mug. We got new coffee mugs. We got um, new shirts. We got uh, beanies. I don't know. We got a whole box, actually, that um, is pretty good value. So you can head over there, and that, w- that directly goes to support of the show and continues to help this production that we're putting on together it's not going into my little old pocket <laughs> it's just we're, we're we're there to uh you know fund some of what the costs are here so i appreciate your guys's help with that anyways uh that's it for this week oh one last thing thank you every single one of you for your uh birthday wishes i had an absolute great birthday in mexico uh celebrating it with uh manager of the show dioni who's just turned 40 congratulations on that and uh, I had an absolute blast, um, and I just want to say thank you to all of you who sent me your wishes of happy birthdays. So uh, thanks again, guys, and uh, until next time, as always, cheers. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much. We'll be seeing you. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. 
Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, peer pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media.